1: You're listening to The Sound of London. This is Londonist Out Loud. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe. Subscribe on iTunes or hit us up on Twitter at Londonist Sound. We're heading south of the river this week, well, south of the river, in fact, where we're going to hear a remarkable story of survival. Join me to find out about the tenacity of the Ivy House.
0: Hey, baby, let me take you down So we'll play some strange sights the sound You ain't never seen the light before Just a song through your front.
1: Listener, a lot of unknowns await, I think, on this week's episode. Over a six-foot brick wall just on the other side of the quiet suburban street on which I stand, there are a rolling allotments, I think it's okay to call them that, and a very pleasant it looks over there as well. In the background there is a tall fence with reels of barbed wire and what looks like a watchtower, so I... I, I <laughs> I don't know whether they're very uh, very protective of their allotments over there. Um, the street we're on is quiet It's brown brick. I'd say it's 100, 150-year-old houses, maybe even a little bit older. But the place we're here to see is the Ivy House. And I should say we're in south-east London, SE15. I've walked over from Broccoli, we're near Nunhead and other places about which I don't know too much and the ivy house itself is a bit of an enigma and there's a clue as to what's going on here because the uh, blackboards outside say save ivy house and this pub is an english heritage site and with me is hugo sims whose enigmatic uh, job title (laughs) such as it is is involved in the fortunes of the ivy house hi hugo hi hi quentin what on earth are we talking about
0: um we're talking about the Ivy House pub, which is a 1930s building. It's one of these TARDIS-like places that from the outside doesn't look like an awful lot, but from the inside is very much different. It's a place that's had mixed fortunes over the last, or, well, since it's been open in the mid-30s. And it's a place that I've known for about 10 years and moved near very near about five or six years ago. And personally, the bit that interested me most was the fact that it, it had a very strong musical heritage here, um, especially in the pub rock, pre-punk sort of times of the early 70s and there's all sorts of rumours about who played here and who didn't play it here and people said very early incarnations of pink floyd played here or the rolling stones but there was never really anyone who actually was able to confirm that was the case it was more likely that people like Ian jury were played here with kilburn and the high roads and dr Feelgood and all that lot
1: and indeed one of the things you see as you peek through the front door is a very cabaret style gold curtain stretched across a small stage at the back there it looks like it could well house a theatre
0: yeah, it does look more like a theatre, actually, than a, a sort of a, a live music venue. Um, you yeah, kind of
1: think of Phoenix Nights.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the, the gold curtains are actually, I think, well, these ones are about, we've got them new for the pub, but there have actually been some gold curtains there which are very similar for about mm, 15, 20 years or something like that. In the pub rock days, and I know we've just seen a photograph, a holy grail photograph of a, a band playing here in 1974, and up to this point, this was two days ago, we'd not found any photographs of anyone playing here. There's one online on the on a website of um, Eddie and the Hot Rods, I think, but it's a very small picture. So we finally seen what the stage looked like then, which was no curtains, nothing, just very black area. But there was a was some sort of picture on the back. And having met the people at the time who ran the place, is a couple called Sue and Reg Fentiman. Uh, this is about four or five years ago, that they said there was some sort... Of, if you ever see a, a, a photograph with what looks like a Mexican sort of picture or cactus or something at the back, that that would be when we were there. So we're trying to work out whether this picture actually has this thing on it. So the, the building itself, it's um, historically very interesting. There's lots... So it's a Troll Truman's pub. And there's still lots of Truman's embellishments, inside and
1: outside. Uh, Well, I thought I recognised those uh, little reliefs there. We should say, of course, Truman's is the uh, enormous brewery on Brick Lane.
0: Yes, it was the enormous brewery on Brick Lane, which coincidentally my father used to used to work there in the '70s. So I had an extra sort of um, interest. What did he do there? He was head brewer, actually. (laughs) So, uh, so that um, yeah, it's been a nice little personal connection with with me as well. Um, Yeah, so you can still see the uh, the Truman's eagle above both right and left-hand side of this quite vast frontage, actually. I've
1: always thought there's something very Teutonic about that eagle.
0: I, I never thought about that before, but... That's, <laughs> it's extremely imperial, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite sort of, quite Romanesque, I suppose, yeah. And there's actually, there's two doors out here, only one of which actually works now. There used to be three doors at the front of this pub. One led to a lounge bar, one led to a saloon bar, and a middle one led to an off-sales area. And now only one door actually works, the door that goes into the... What is the public? The public bar. Uh, and which now leads through to the, the stage.
1: This is either so obvious that it's uh, not worth mentioning to the ears of some people, or it might be uh, one of those little nuggets that's interesting, but off-licences were very often incorporated into the fabric of a, a pub, weren't they? So this was the alcohol that you're allowed to take away, and it's r- relatively recently that they've separated and become independent institutions.
0: Yeah, I think there's um, I think there's a couple of places. I think there's, uh, the Royal, the Royal Oak, I think, in Borough has still got... I think if I've got the right name of the pub, I might have the wrong one. Um, you can still clearly walk into what used to be the off-sales area. This one, actually, you can't walk in there anymore. <laughs> but um, I, we have met people who've known the place when they were kids in the 60s and 70s. And this is where they would buy their suites as well. And that would be a bit of a treat to walk into the... This is when kids weren't in pubs so often. Uh, to walk into the off-sales area and they'd, they'd ring the bell to um, get the bar staff to come around because you couldn't... Uh, this particular off-sales area was enclosed apart from a little strip of the bar... Um, which you had to sort of lean your head around and uh, okay. see what was trying to get someone's attention.
1: So that would have been staffed by the same people working in the saloon?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's one sort of bar that went all the way around, uh, bar service area. There's about five different rooms. There were five different rooms to this this pub. Uh, and you can see the old numbers above the Darius rooms, which I think were used for tax purposes. Each room had a number, and so it, made, it became easier for tax or income tax people, wherever these people are, VAT people, to sort out what they had to sort out. So one number says five, but there's actually only three rooms here now.
1: But, of course, there used to be used to be more. Before we go in and explore the place, let's zoom out and consider the area in uh, from an eagle's eye perspective. Yeah. It's not an area I know well. Could you sort of sketch out what's going
0: on here and, and maybe set it in the context of, of London? Well, we're very near Peckham, which, as we know, is changing. I'm also very near East Dulwich. And there's a certain mix of those two, the sort of young happenings or thing that's happening in Peckham, but also you've got more the sort of middle class sort of family types of moving from that, not necessarily from East Dulwich, but there's an overflow of that um, type of people buying houses around here now. My own personal experience tends to be people more with a creative background. Um, creative middle class, I don't know what the actual phrase would use. It's a community that's, that's, that's getting back in touch with itself, it feels like. But also connecting with a lot of people. I know a lot of people around here live around here for a very long time as well. So it's not just new new people coming in. It's 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 mixing well. That's one of the
1: dangers, isn't it, with places that have gone up in the world? Which is what I'm reading into what you're saying. I hope hope correctly. But that anything that was there before gets kind of washed away or pushed to one side.
0: Yeah, which there was a fear with this place, and well, there's many fears with this place. But one of them was if it did get saved as a pub, it would it turn into some sort of gastro sort of place but everyone behind the saving of it loved it for as it was and so that was always a very important thing to keep it as it is and a lot of people involved have lived around here a long time so it's not it has been a night it's been very quite rewarding to be involved with you know to have people been living here for two or three years mixing with people who have known the place uh, since the war in fact there's two people I know who know Place since the war.
1: What was it doing at that point? You mentioned the music scene in the late 60s, 70s. What was going on between the war and then?
0: Right. Well, I tell you, I'm, I'm now looking down Stuart Road towards Peckham Common, Peckham Rye Common. On the left is the pub, and on the right is the allotments, which uh, you mentioned. Between the pub and the road down the end, on the left-hand side, is um, some uh, flats built flats or houses built in the 1970s. Now, like what there used to be between this pub and the main road was a load of shops. And in 1944, the whole lot... Well, one July day, uh, the whole lot got obliterated with a a V1 bomb. And 17 people died. And the pub was the only thing, really, to to survive. And and at that point, it was a new building. It had replaced a previous pub. Uh, One thing I haven't mentioned was this this has only been called the Ivy House recently. For many years, it's the Newlands Tavern. Uh, And a lot of people who would have come here to see music would have known it as the Newlands or the Newlands Tavern. So this was a new pub... The previous building would have would have been obliterated as well. Surveyors who've seen this pub recently have said it's built like Duplo and it's built to last. So they weren't surprised it survived this bomb that obliterated everything else. It was it was used for billiards. There's billiard tables in there. I know there's a lady around here who's probably well into her eighties, I should think, who used to come here during the war to um, check on her dad to get him to come back for dinner because he's always he'd be the guy who was the best billiard player and he'd be t- teaching a lot of the um, Younger people had to play billiards. The lady who ran it at the time, a Mrs Rhodes, was a widow. And all the people who were displaced by the bombing, she put up in the top of the pub while they were getting rehoused. And so this lady's, um, Hetty is her name, uh, dad, he'd always go to the pub and say, oh, well, I've just got to check on Mrs Rhodes... Uh, and that would be his excuse for going down the pub for two or three hours to sort of see what was going
1: on. So this place kind of, uh, I hope I'm not reading too much in, but it must have represented something at the time, not only being the one thing left standing in terms of a com- some sort of centre of community activity, but also being a bit of an arc for those who were displaced.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. And it was, um, you know, that, that when the war finished, there was a big party outside the pub, and inside the pub was the one, you know, place that was left. And at that point, for another 30 years there was nothing between the pub and, and the road we're looking down towards and uh, when in fact it was built it, when Truman's had to apply for it to be rebuilt they had to kind of show that a pub of this size had to be worth building and as we had to do when the pub was saved we had to sort of prove or really push that it was important to the community they had to do the same thing in the 1930s That they had um, one room was used for eating one room for you know the billiards there was it was It wasn't just a a, a small pub, it was um, called a multitasking pub, which is what it's doing again now, which is quite nice to have that roundness to the whole thing.
1: Well, that's a perfect cue to uh, get indoors. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to go through the uh, left-hand set of doors, underneath the Truman's gold leaf, or gold leaf effect... um, well, I launched into that sentence not knowing how I was going to finish it there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit cornucopy or ick. It's a bit uh, leafy. Maybe berries. What are they? Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> it's contempted to say hops, but it doesn't look like hops. doesn't look well, like Well, they hops, could
0: so. be, couldn't they? It look, it's more like berries, yeah. Large grapes, perhaps. Hops and grapes.
1: Right. Uh, if you, uh, <laughs> r- listener, if you'd just like to pick the words in that sentence that uh, best suit you, and uh, let's pretend that makes sense. <laughs> And through we go, and on the right, a curved bar, and there's a lot of wood going on here. We go under the partition that says True Brown Ale, Burton Brewed Bitter, Imperial Stout. And in we come to the area that uh, we were talking about before, with two, in fact two sets of gold curtains. Perfect for a stand-up comedian to emerge from, very uh, Eric and Ernie, I'd say.
0: Uh, Yes. <laughs> I
1: agree, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a fantastic room. You, you're instantly reminded of some of the... Maybe it's just the colouring, I'm not sure, but it reminds me very much of Wilton's musical.
0: Yeah, it's interesting just say that, actually, because we, we did a little... We've uh, we got a projector and a screen here, and one of the first films I put on to um, see if it worked was from an old 1960s film showing Wilton's musical as it was then. And projected onto the back of the stage, it actually almost looked like it was sort of one and the same thing. Another place it gets compared with quite a bit is the Rivoli. No, course, no,
1: that's not somewhere I know.
0: That's well, that's not far from where we just come from, actually, Broccoli. But the is a lot bigger. It's, it's a ballroom in Broccoli, opposite Crofton Park Tube Station, train station.
1: Does that mean there was a sort of a general style of foot, or an architect who was uh, sowing uh, his oats? The, I can't say that.
0: Was there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, an, that's entirely his own affair, was, or an architect who was uh, spreading his style through the area?
0: I don't know about the Rivoli, but definitely with Truman's, it was there was an in-house architect called A. E. Sewell. I seem to recall.
1: Oh, that's it. So this is why there's so many common features on the uh, Truman's pubs that you see around.
0: Yeah. Um, So I mean, in here, looking around now, I can see the checkered uh, spittoon, which apparently is a classic Truman's feature. Um, Around the corner, we've got sort of chevron glass patterns. I I discovered that. There's quite a few pubs in, in London which are listed, grade two listed, this is about four or five years ago, and they are designed by the same architect. Even though we weren't absolutely clear whether it was the same architect, but it 's seen the same sort of time and there's, there were similarities, like you were saying. And in fact, if anything, I mean, it's because of the bomb and this pub being left on its own, it, some people would say, you don't live immediately around here, well, why would anyone go there? Because it's nowhere near anywhere. Ignoring the fact there's about a 1,000 households <laughs> around here. Uh, and other people say well, why have they built a pub in the middle of nowhere not realizing that there used to be all these shops down there but in a way i think the fact that it has been sort of left on its own um is the way possibly saved it because no one has come in to try and improve it and everything that's here now is pretty similar i should think to as it was when it was built and so it was nicely uh, preserved and so when indian in- in- territories did come to have a look at it we could tell that they were immediately um Interested. It was quite promising.
1: Could you just uh, talk us through that process then? Because one thing that we're aware of in London, certainly probably nationwide, is th- this swathe of closures. Well, no, swathe is wrong. That suggests that there's a a wave that uh, comes and, and then is gone. But it's just a relentless crushing of uh, public houses across the country. They're, they're disappearing. Yeah. Um, you see one or two uh, going becoming gastro pubs or becoming um, refreshed in, uh, but also losing what they previously were. I think in the process, which yeah. you know, maybe that renewal is just um, uh, the the state of things. Uh, but overall, I think we're losing pubs. Um, what what was the point at which this place started to be under threat? At what point did you realise there was a crisis for its future?
0: I think there's probably been a crisis for its future since definitely since the early two thousands, which is kind of before I, I knew it. It had its period of success in the 70s, um, early mid 70s, and then by all accounts, it was pretty successful too in the 1990s. Um, but it was still, I don't think it was still being used all that much as a drinking place. It would tend to be a place for events, like Friday, Saturday nights, so the place would be really, really busy. But then there's the, the people who have been there quite a long time left, and then it, it, uh, it did take a bit of a dive, and it became um, somewhere that seemed to be running in spite of what was going on. Uh, and then it went through a period of leaseholders or landlords towards the end of the, you know, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, that sort of time. And the, the, what seemed to be going on was that the company you owned it seemed to be intentionally pushing up the rents to, to, to have the place run down, uh, and that was their, seemed quite obvious intention was to, be able to sell it to eventually sell it to a developer when everyone just lost interest in the place. And so there was always that feeling that it, was, it was, had a precarious existence.
1: Um, we should say, of course, that the chain themselves aren't here to, uh, to answer that, no, 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 so there no, may be more to that names. story.
0: I won't say any names, no, no, no. But that was the worry, founded or unfounded, I don't know. But um, there used to be, uh, things would still happen here occasionally, but it, 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 there was no one drinking in here at all, really. Um, and it had a bit of a bad reputation. It's been a bit of a sweary pub. People didn't really want to go in. Um, people still have private events here, but it was, they weren't
1: really really rude ones
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. <laughs> um but then so so yeah so there's always a worry that it, it, it's going to one of these days it's just going to be that there's going to be closed and that's it but then um uh, a couple of guys took it over leaseholders took it on with a, a, a bar manager who had turned the place around to a certain extent um, got a couple of good beers in and just became a friendly face and people just start coming and using the place again and, and as i said the area is sort of changing a bit anyway. And, people were think well, it was a fantastic place we got here and it's not really sort of doing what it should be doing maybe. Why is that? Um, and around this time is when the English Heritage thing was happening. And I suppose personally I, I, I kind of, I'm not really business minded but what I can do, I, I do, you know, I write and I thought, well, I'll just use the sort of skill I've got and so I thought if I go and meet these people, the Fentimans who ran the place, i I trace them on the internet. And do an article in the local paper about the old bands who played here. That might help, you know, all help the cause. Maybe raise the profile to a certain extent. This is when the pub was just turning around again a bit as well. And, and what happened was someone picked up on it from Camera, the campaign for Real L, the article, and we liaised, and that's he put the English Heritage listing in. So that that's that's kind of got got the ball rolling. So,
1: so your role in this is Samaritan.
0: Uh, one of many. Yeah, because there's there's many many people. Oh, I can say, oh, okay. Uh, um, that link in the chain and had that not happened this wouldn't happen but there's uh, I could think of many 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 people had this not happened, or that not happened. it's one of these um, I don't know if it's the case with all things like this but uh, I, don't, I don't want to say numbers it could be 10, 20 more people if that one person wasn't in the chain uh, it wouldn't have happened because of this that and by it, the happening I mean it, the pub being saved that really is a fragile existence it is a very fragile existence yeah
1: Okay, so as I look around, I'm seeing a place that, were it located in, uh, well, it's, it's, it's got a bit of a Hoxtonish resonance. Um, and I think there are places that go to great lengths to affect the kind of style that seems to be here quite naturally. Mm. You, you've got the uh, abundance of comfortable looking Chesterfields for a start. It's a good-looking place. I mean, is it simply at uh, this point that the area has got used to the fact that this thing isn't here or isn't, isn't the thing they want it to be and they haven't considered looking back through the doors?
0: Um, well, you're talking three or four years ago. Mm. This place wouldn't, wouldn't have survived just as a pub still. Um, I mean, you're talking about the pubs closing. And as a pub, this place still wouldn't make it. Um, and it relies purely on the, the events that happen here, especially the like, big private events or public events um, it's very nice to have it just as a pub sometimes, but financially it doesn't work.
1: You were behind the bar until very
0: recently, in fact. I was, but well, I was sort of yeah, sort of in the pub till recently. I didn't go behind the bar all that much, but I was helping. Um, I was the events sort of coordinator, uh, which was a part-time job. But it was turned out to be rather more than that, and I've got another work as well. So it, I've passed it on to someone uh, called Harry, who's been here for a very long time, and is sort of worked his way up in fact I can, more ways than one actually um because he used to his band used to put, uh, rehearse here many years ago as well when was it? many years ago five six years ago so he, he's heavily involved with the place and he's local and so it's been a nice old passing over and he works here anyway
1: so there's a lot of i mean i don't want to frighten the guy but there seems to be a lot of pressure on him then because what i think i've heard you saying is that it's all about the you, you, you been clear it's all about the events but it seems as though the key to it is having somebody who's invested in uh, the place and you can't just take it on as a passing job you've got to really care about the thing
0: yeah that's a really good point and that's much that was something i was you know knowing when i realized i kind of wanted to pass it pass it on i thought that was very important as well it has to be kind of someone i think who kind of understands the place and not someone who's as you say, passing through and ticking the boxes. And so the fact that Harry ticks the right boxes, I think is very important. He, he, he cares about the place, he knows the place. And he understands the community background or the community vibe. Um, that's not to say that, you know, we, we, we do have to get this balance of it being, a you know, a publicist to the community and so it feels informal and friendly and all the rest. Um, but it's still a business, so we still have to sort of the making money. Um, and that's something we're learning to a certain extent as we're going along especially me because I hadn't done this sort of job before, you know, so we're just sort of doing things in a certain way that's Better than <laughs> better than how it started out <laughs> saying, What are we going to do Someone wants to have a wedding How much are we going to charge them uh, um, the, you know. 20, 20, a
1: 20, thousand, 30, 30, a million,
0: 000, <laughs> a million Two pounds, I don't know I can see that you
1: wouldn't have uh, Passed the bat on to Harry Were he not somebody who you thought Was going to look after things uh, And so we'll put that to one side separating that issue how do you feel having uh, looked after the place and been its guardian for this length of time to to not be doing that in that way at the moment
0: um well first of all i'll say obviously i'm just one of many because um, we've got a bar you know bar manager um and the head chef and all the rest and there's two or three shift supervisors um so it's been a team effort but yeah it, well, to be honest with you i'm actually it's actually quite a huge weight off my shoulder <laughs> um uh, but there is, yeah, you're right. There is also that thing about you know thinking, oh, you know, Sunday I can't just walk in now and um, just turn the music up on the on the um, yeah the pub stereo or something like that. Even though I did do just now, I've, I've been very happy to move on in the way and enjoy the pub because, of course, the reason I got involved in the first place was that I, I like the pub and I wanted to save the pub. You no, know, not wanted to save, I wanted to be involved with everyone else with saving of the pub. So it's nice to be able to sort of have that sort of thing back. Because in my other work, I used to come here quite intermittently. No, you know, usually in the afternoon but other times it's quite bitty and so the new guy's able to, because he works here anyway he's able to hopefully make it all be a bit smoother for him
1: We're going to have a bit of a poke around the building I think in just a second. Uh, you mentioned that you write. What do you write?
0: Um, well this is one of the other reasons why I've <laughs> hung up the event's mantle to try and get back into that um, Most recently it's been, well I mentioned the article I did about the pub but I did a then and now photo book with a friend of mine about London, about two or three years ago. And before then, in the 2000s and 1990s, I was doing scripts, theatres, mainly theatre stuff. Got the occasional bit of paid stuff with TV, but um, didn't quite lead to fame and fortune. So I've got to sort of try and think which hat I'm going to wear writing-wise now. I've got a bit more time to get back onto that.
1: Always the problem with the life creative, isn't it?
0: Yeah, Yeah, everything comes up, you think, oh, that would be a good... Story or a good idea for a film or a good idea for an article, or you know, it's so it's yeah. It's that time of the year, your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync. Things just flow, wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
1: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Just um, select, been selective and sticking with it. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, should we have a nose around? Yeah. Where would we, well, we naturally set, go to?
0: Start here. I mean, on the walls here, we've got um, a lot of album sleeves and some old posters too the old posters are from 1974 the, the Fentimans who ran it then found it in their loft these old Dr. Feelgood posters we've got Kippington Lodge who apparently is this Bridgley Schwartz McGuinness Flint a band called Ace over there who had a hit with um, how long has this been going on I think and I think they were on Top of the Pops the week before they were due here this was booked in before uh, the Top of the Pops appearance before they had this hit but they decided to stick with their gig at the Newlands Tavern because they're uh, nice guys, uh, and apparently the queues of young women were going all the way down to the Peckham Common, which is about 200 yards down the road, which didn't really happen very often. Um, and the rest of the album sleeves are all bands that hurt, you know have played here, uh, mainly in the
1: 1970s. I detected that there was some doubt about the uh, provability of their appearances.
0: Um, not the ones here, but okay, the Rolling these, these Stones. Are verified. These are verified. Yeah, the Rolling Stones and Pink Floyd, we haven't, yeah, no one's actually said oh, I was there. Um, it's possible because there's there's Campwell art connections with early Pink Floyd and the Stones of Dartford, aren't they? David Barry's another one who's mentioned he's Brixton. So there could have been some very early sort of connection, but nothing's no one's come forward. So what we've got here, I mean this is this is through looking through the timeout, mainly through the timeout archive listings. We've got Kilburn the High Roads who are almost like um a house band here, who are a rather odd looking bunch of this is Ian pre Blockheads band odd-looking bunch of guys, and they, they used to come here so often. They'd have dinner with the um, the Fentons and their family. Um, apparently, injury used to help himself to steak and kidney pies from the fridge. That's what he was very partial to.
1: Um, so you're turning the music up or down is nothing compared
0: to that. No, no. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, we've a long way to go. <laughs> we've got Ducks Deluxe. There's um, Status Quo up there. They from around here, and a couple of people have said they've seen that, so we will trust that one. The Stranglers played here not long before the place the Fentimans left in early '76. And the 101ers, which is on Joe Strummer's pre Clash outfit. But when the Fentimans left, then uh, with it, the, the music sort of, even though it's kept on going intermittently uh, over the years, and there have been some good bands here, and there still are, still are now. It was a regular venue that was listed in Time Out and the New Musical Express. It, it, it ceased, really. And yeah, there's various other bands here I'd never heard of until I sort of find them on, in the archives. So they're all adorning the walls now.
1: What goes on in terms of live music now?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> It, well, the, the regular stuff is we've got jazz, um, free jazz on Sunday times It tends to be sort of big band or maybe three or four pieces. Um, there's a monthly folk outfit, folk uh, event. Um, the goose is out of the local folk promoters, and they've been doing something here since we've reopened. There's um, what's the other regular Irish music sessions on Tuesdays. Apart from that, there's been quite there's an awful lot of interest if people wanting to play here. Um, at, quite overwhelming in fact and it, because of one thing and another sometimes we just want it as a pub other times we just can't book it in we there's not very much we can take on um, so the other music has well it's it just it's been all sorts you know from, from indie electronica to it, we, we, we try and keep it reasonably low key because we've got to be careful about noise coming out the side of the pub uh, so it could be you know slightly more acoustic bass suits us quite, quite well but various things have got through the net and it's not just that as well, it's not just music, it's um, comedy, which is something that when we opened, it took a while to sort of get back here for one reason or another. But before the pub closed um, last time around, or even the time before that, pulled the other one who um, the comedy promoters around here, were performing here. It's a comedy cabaret, which suited the place really well with these gold lame curtains. And they'll be coming back next year. And we've got other midweek comedy happening already now. So it took a while to get going, but it's. You know, there's so much interest in this place and it's been quite difficult to sort of fit everything in. And people often say, oh, can we just, I want to have a go at doing something regular, maybe maybe once a week or maybe once a month. And they say, well, once. <laughs> and they just see how it goes. Um, Peckham Free Film Festival have used the place before and they're coming back here, which has been very successful. It's also used as um, almost like a community hall. Uh, every morning now, I think it's, I think it's every morning, there's some sort of kids' group here or another. It's either dance or drama or music or storytelling or something like that. There's been grown-up jazz dance classes on Saturday mornings, which have been very successful. So it's, it's, it's fulfilling its original role, again, as this community place. But that's, that, that's the thing. That it has to be used as much as possible. And I mean, you know, At some points, we've had two or three things going on in here at once, which is maybe, <laughs> looking back, it was too much. But... That that, that that vibe is, is very important to the place. That it's something happening. I mean, it's very quiet here now. <laughs> it's,
1: it's remarkable we managed to find time in all of that. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, um, I mean, you know, the week, the week, the, the afternoons are, are obviously the quiet. The weekday afternoons are the quieter period. Well, we're standing here. We can look up. There used to be glass in these ceilings above us here, which would come, let the sun come in on the billiard tables. Do you know, I
1: was going to ask that, and I thought it was a stupid question. As we look up here, we've got a eight maybe ten foot square uh recess into the roof and within that there's a art deco relief and from it is hanging a glitter ball i'd say that's what's giving the place the uh, the the look um, and so that was all that was all glass up there was it
0: yeah i've forgotten what the official term is lantern that's not right no i'm not sure there is long-term idea to put that back in in a in a soundproof way um with some sort of you know sliding covers like Wimbledon because <laughs> you don't always want the sun beaming in at nine o'clock at night if there's a, a gig on but it is a dark room it's is more suited possibly to the, the winter and the autumn that's something we're, we're addressing
1: it's, it's bringing out the cave dweller in me I must say yes.
0: <laughs> yeah oh, good
1: shall we go and explore the rest of the cave sure, sure. we're heading through a pair of oaky doors into I guess this would have been the lounge bar
0: um no, no. No, 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 I'm going to show you. No. That later. this is this was well, we call it the refectory and I think it was called the refectory then as well and as it implies it was like a, was used as an eatery place. Um we're pretty sure. It's very
1: grand actually. It's, it's really got spot. these these seals embossed onto the walls.
0: There's been a couple of theories. Um, the most recent one is they might be masonic. Um some were here when I think we put to when, were there originally when the pub was rebuilt. Um, there's other ones you can see seem to be sort of slightly plastered on by someone's child i'm not quite sure where there might be more recent additions but the, i wasn't here but someone did come in actually and very confidently go for every single one and say what they all meant
1: well we've got over here is this not the truman's uh, bird again well i've not noticed that before i'm not sure actually
0: can't quite see what sort
1: of bird it might be, might it? But to give you an idea, listen. they look a little bit like the sort of emblems that you'd have on medieval shields uh, heraldic symbols, and to add to that effect, at the centre of one of them there is the uh, helmet and visor of an armoured knight there are three roses on several of the others, a portcullis with chains and a swan. The additional effect of course is that the roof here uh, this is uh, timber beams uh, whitewashed in between.
0: Yeah, uh, um, having been here when um, one of our team, Stuart, has spoken about the architectural merits of the place, and that's his day job as well, Is involved with that. That that, that mix is very much um, part of the original reasoning behind the way the pub was built. And obviously the 1970s thing in there, they weren't thinking of that in 1935, but but, I, but there was that difference. At the front apparently is Neo-Georgian, I seem to remember him saying. And in here now, this is supposed to be like, sort of, it's supposed to represent uh, like an old village, what it might look like in a village pub. And there's a very large fireplace um, with a couple of wooden settles, would you call them, either side, or wooden benches, which are, which are part of the panelling. So I think the fireplace is actually just made of concrete or something like that, but it was designed to give that impression You, this room, you're kind of part of it, you're in this little village.
1: Oh, so what, now I'm hungry for more. What else is going on in this building?
0: Oh, well, I see. Ah, right, well, I'm sure we have permission to go through. So what I'm going to do now... Earlier on I mentioned at the front of the pub there was two doors one you can walk through and one you couldn't the one you couldn't walk through behind that is now it's it's a staffing area Um, and about 25 years ago it was made, used to be one of the old bars but it was turned into private accommodation and for a period in the 80s in fact the part that's now closed was the bit that was open and the large part that we have been walking through was the part that was closed according to a couple of people I know who knew it then and this one friend of mine was here one night, and the landlord kind of said, "Come with me, guys. I want to show you the rest of the pub. And this is, the, i.e., the large bit that we're now still open." And almost, I like took them through with a torch, like Indiana Jones-esque, into this sort of old ballroom. <coughs> um,
1: there was a comedian still at the mic going, a, <laughs> can I, "Should I've come on yet?" A
0: like, dead pub rocker line underneath the stage. Apparently, it was still open sometimes for private events, but pretty much it was all closed off.
1: We're moving through the bar into a back room. Right, we might
0: need a piece of string to follow this, follow back in.
1: Listener, I come to you with a solution to a problem that I know we've all experienced at one point or another. You know when from time to time you go outside your front door and it's rather colder than you would expect it to be and you find people pointing at you and laughing and making comments behind their hands. You know that feeling? And you get to work, and your coffee or chocolate or hot beverage of choice is splattered all across your desk and dripping onto the floor. Well, I can tell you exactly which small oversight is to blame for all of this. You didn't go to the Londonist shop, where you can buy a wide range of hoodies, T-shirts, mugs, and other Londonist paraphernalia, and doing so not only keeps your desk clean and keeps you warm, but will also support us. Just go to londonist.com slash shop and uh, if you want to support the podcast in particular you can lay your hands on a groovy londonist out loud t-shirt and uh, use the discount 20 code to get 20% off londonist.com forward slash shop There's always some interesting messages on the message boards. I remember wandering back uh, into the back of a a major chain of pubs into the staff areas there, and there was the list of instructions there that if the customer came within 1.5 metres of the till, they had to be greeted within three seconds of their arrival. And there's a very precise list of (laughs) instructions. I think the customer service here is a little bit more organic, probably.
0: I've I've not heard that one here, and that's good. So what we've got here, I don't know where to start, it it, actually used to be one large room. A large bar area which is now divided by s stab, stadwalls. Stad walls.
1: walls, yeah. Balls,
0: yeah. Um, which on, that's that. But
1: Oh what a shame. You'd you'd knock that through uh, quite happily, wouldn't you? The floorboards, if listener, if you're into floorboards, this is the place for you. And the windows, uh yeah, they're very nineteen nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties in the the
0: style. Original, still the original windows mm. and the original fireplace here. It's a lot brighter than the other by the other the existing part of the pub has only got windows at the front. Here, the windows go down all the way down the side as well, so it's a lot brighter. So, so there is the a long-term plan to reopen this. Oh, I was just about to yeah. ask. Okay, yes, good. Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure where we are with that, but that's on the cards. No, uh, just uh, tell me about
1: the English Heritage involvement then. What flexibility does that leave you with in terms of what can still be done to the place?
0: Or yeah, well, in terms of what can't be done as well? I mean, yeah, I mean, what do you, how, how
1: much of their approval do you have to seek for minor changes?
0: What I do know is that it has to... anything that's done here has to go through English Heritage, even though a lot of this, where we're standing now is obviously clearly being altered anyway. Mm. There's various bits of red tape which have to be sorted out with I think it's the council, English Heritage or whoever else, which I'm not part of. But I know yeah, there's, there's various consents that have to be agreed. Mm. It's all doable, I think. I don't think there's anything, we're not knocking out anything Anything that's coming out. is stuff that wasn't here in the first place. It's all these, these temporary walls. And where we're standing now, you're standing actually where you can see uh, where the old bar used to go around
1: yeah, there's a second set of floorboards that have laid... I should think the first lot in, in the bit of the room that was in front of the bar probably got wrecked by pints being spilled and <laughs> shoes scuffing it, so there's an extra set of boards that have been laid around and you can see the curve where the bar was. And up there,
0: is, and up there as well as the, uh, the old the curve in the ceiling too, with the um, the architecture of the large curved beam.
1: It could use a bit of love, couldn't it?
0: Yeah, which is, which is on the cards. I mean, it is handy at the moment, having it, as a... Staff area because where we are now has been used as a kitchen storage. So if and when the place does get reopened, revitalised, that's going to have the knock-on effect of where things up here. To, you know, it's a very large cellar, so you can all go down there.
1: So, what's the thinking there overall? Then? Is it a kind of a public fundraising type thing, or do you go to English Heritage and ask them for some assistance to make this happen, or what?
0: Maybe a bit of both. not about English Heritage. I mean, the, I think the original hope, hope was that the pub would have the money itself. Um, But there there might be, there's all sorts of options for raising money uh, in other ways. So possibly that will be sought after again. So tell me about how this uh,
1: Ivy House that we're standing in now, how did that arise from the, no, from the ashes is too dramatic. That would suggest (laughs) that the V1 rocket was rather more successful than it was. (laughs) But um, How how did uh, the Ivy House uh, come to be what it is today?
0: As as we know it now, Um, I suppose it all started when the pub closed down, when... um, uh, Nick, who's was the manager here, who I mentioned, who was turning the place around, yeah, there was a very short lease. Um, I forgot what the official name is, but basically had to leave within a matter of days. And the strong rumours were that their new buyer was a developer. And this was on a Wednesday, and Monday, Sunday was going to be the last day, and Monday it's going to be boarded up. And the people who owned the pub would have known it was going to. It was it was a Grade Two listing pending, and so what happened was that people saw suddenly, you know, it was a bit like sort of torches flaming walking down the pub going, what's going on? Um, a lot of these people didn't, I mean I knew some people and other people knew other people, but a lot of them hadn't been, they used using the pub at different times for different reasons. And suddenly with everyone being there at once, you can see in fact this pub was actually, was actually turning around. The, the people realised that the main thing to do was try and save the building first and then see what would happen. So was all sorts of efforts to get this grade two listed, listing pushed through somehow with phone calls to Council, local MP, which is Harriet Harman, English Heritage themselves, emails and all sorts, just to try and get it sorted. Um, We
1: we all know that uh, those bureaucratic structures like to be (laughs) harried.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, But um, through, you know, there was a bit of, you know, a couple of connections I think we'll possibly use. I I don't know, it's hard to, to know exactly what was going on. But on the Friday afternoon... Lo and behold, it was granted. The grade two listing was granted.
1: What form did that take? Can you describe that moment?
0: It was rather it was well fantastic because the, uh, the guy who put in the listing application, who'd become a friend of mine, from the, the guy who worked for Camera, Neil, I think he rang me or just emailed me because he was the one who, being the guy who put it in, he was the one who was notified first. So he um, emailed me and said, It's been granted. Uh, and so I was kind of the conduit to other, I don't know, I put it on the East Dulles Forum or something. And my hands were actually shaking. It's so exciting to say, you know, it's been listed, it's been listed, you know. Uh, And then, sure enough, uh, the person who's going to buy it pulled out. The pub still closed down, but the the leaving party on the Sunday was like a sort of party of hope rather than, you know, despair. Um, So what would have happened had the listing not been granted was that they could have come in and just taken all the panelling, everything in it that would give you that listing would be taken out, potentially, as soon as they could, and then there'd be no listing so then the building was saved and then the idea was well now we've saved the building you know how do we make it a pub again maybe someone with because it's still up for sale someone with an individual investor might buy it <laughs> i don't know um but there was a large group of people who were behind it all and it was all getting a little bit um of emails going backwards and forwards and someone took it upon themselves to be the person just to, just to sort it out and say look we just need a very small group of people ready just to sort this out otherwise the whole thing's going to fail before it's even started uh and she was, she's by trade a property lawyer as well. So, you know, that sort of thing helps a lot and did help a lot. And so, yeah, this sort of smaller group of people came together to be more sort of official, sort of, say, the Ivy House sort of
1: committee. You, you were part of that?
0: I was part of that, yeah. I sort of, I knew one of the guys um, on it who was on it then at the time, but the others I didn't really know. But I just made sure I got in there because of my sort of involvement with the before. Just got, I know a lot of, I work at the local school and I knew a lot of people in the area and I just thought it would be quite use, useful having someone with that connection
1: just. So, so what did you do then about the fact that it was still on the market?
0: Um, I, th- I think there was, there was a couple of false storms in terms of someone a couple of people who may a couple of investors who may be able to help but then didn't or couldn't and then the eye was taken off the ball a little bit during the summer this is about three or four months off. it closed and then someone out of the blue bought it an independent businessman and within three four weeks, he had it up for auction at loads more of the price that he bought it for. So he put it purely as an investment. In the meantime, we got wind of this asset of community value, which is kind of known about, but uh, this new act, or part of the Localism Act, which was a new act at the time, within that was something called the asset of community value, which meant if you had a building which was deemed to be an asset of community value and was agreed that that was the case by the local council... The group set up putting that, that nomination forward would have six months to put a bid together to buy the building uh, if it was up for sale, which it was. Uh, and so, this was a, another one of these sort of it had to be done in two or three days before the pub went to auction sort of thing. I won't bore you with the details, it wasn't just as simple as just someone signed some paper, that various things had to be done. But it got done, um, and this listing was granted, which meant the guy couldn't sell it at auction. So, immediately, we were the least likely people he wanted to sell to because we'd stop in selling the pub, even though um, no one else could now buy it for six months. Uh, so the, the main thing was though was that we knew we'd be the first place in the country to make use of this new law, so there'd be the publicity to, that would go with that. And once you get listed as an asset community value, you're pushed to all sort of funding options. where You get people to help you with that's part of the localism locality, I think they're called. And again, it wasn't a short process. It was a very long process and very complicated, and I fortunately didn't have an awful lot to do with that because that's not the way my mind works. But other people on the committee, it is the way they work, and they're very good at doing it and did an excellent job, putting a very professional bid together to raise money. Um, So a million pound was raised, half a grant, roughly, and half, um, just over a half was a loan and just under a half was a grant which is enough to buy the pub and have some money left over to um, a st- for start-up
1: cost. A few Chesterfields.
0: A few Chesterfields, yeah. <laughs> and that, so this, the timescale we're talking here was the pub closed in April. A new guy got it in August, September, I think. Then The asset community value came in, I think, October. Uh, and basically we had about till March. So it must have been September, actually, because it's six months to get a bid sorted. So, yeah, so the pub, the pub got bought amazingly. I mean, it was, we didn't set out to buy the pub uh, as, the commu- or as a company set up by the community, but um, that's what happened. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I remember mean, we got the keys and walked in and sat in the middle there, and it's about seven of us, and had a co- just sat in this sort dank space as it was at the time, even though the, the features are still the same, which is kind of we all love the pub as it is, but we just needed quite a bit of TLC in the main part of the pub. But sat there and had a few... A glass of the champagne.
1: I was, I was going to say there probably wouldn't have been any beer available, would there, no, I thought right?
0: some champagne in <laughs> there, yeah, yeah. No, they, it's all, they, they, the last guys had to leave very suddenly and uh, certainly boarded up and left pretty much as it was.
1: Well, it's a, a very different picture, as I hope we've painted today. We're coming to the end of our time, but the, the, the happy thing is the Ivy House is not. Um, I should ask you just in closing, though, what about the change of name?
0: Oh, well, why the Ivy House? Well, I mean, first of all, it's the Newlands Tavern, because the area is called Newlands. There's a bit of a debate. I mean, it, it's down as Ivy House Nunhead. A lot of people will say it's Peckham Rye, really.
1: You don't um, really see Newlands on the map, do you?
0: Newlands on the map. We, no, actually, well, you do, actually. If you, if you get, <laughs> I didn't know this until I saw an 80s ed recently. It still says Newlands. It still says Newlands. So the pub was named after um, the area. Very briefly, it was a Stuart Arms in the 80s, because um, this is Stuart Road. So it's changed to the Ivy House, late 80s, early 90s. And the reason I've heard um, is that the person, someone involved with it, it, could have been an owner at the time or, not, or someone who had a connection with it financially, it was mum was called Ivy. And there was Ivy. And the surname was House. Yeah. <laughs> the surname was House, yeah. There's a, there's a shrine to her. Um, uh, and there was Ivy on the, on the pub there's a road down the road there's, down the road is Ivydale School and Ivydale Road so I, I there's odd there's no potential connection with that but that's what I've been told it'd be nice to make it the Newlands Tavern again but um, it's now known as the Ivy House very strongly so we can't really do that this could be the Newlands Bar maybe the new bar when it's reopened
1: that's a great idea yeah. well thanks very much for taking the time today to to show us around Um, of course if people want to be here for whatever happens to be on in the night I must say the Sunday afternoon jazz sounds particularly appealing, what's the URL, what's the website?
0: Uh, ivyhousenunhead.com You go Sims, thanks very much
1: Pleasure, thanks and that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Hugo Sims. Thanks too to Mark Barr and Bernie Barkley. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm in Quentin Wolfe.